hear these words of assurance of pardon. God hears the confession of our hearts and lips. Through Jesus Christ, we are forgiven all our sins, and by the Holy Spirit, we are empowered for new life. We believe the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. So you can sit in the front row if you want to and, and uh, watch the lighting of the Advent, can- the Advent candles. And then I got, I'll, I'll say something to y'all. You guys can sit right there. Cool. You get front row seats. <laughs> All right, Asher. So the Advent candles, we didn't get to light the first one last week, so we're lighting two um, this week. So you'll bear with us on that. Hope and peace. Hope lives in us and will abide with us. Today we light the candle of hope. (coughs) Though the world seems dark and cold, we know that the light of Christ is coming. So you see that that Mr. Lagler just lit the first purple candle. Today we light the candle of peace. Peace is not merely the absence of war and conflict, but peace that is the fullness of blessing for all. That is the peace which we dare to hope. Technical difficulty. <laughs> Need a wick for it to light, right?
See how difficult peace is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got the repairman here on the job. <laughs> you can bill us double time for this, Russ. Oh, I will. <laughs> there we go. Hey. <laughs> Now we have two candles lit. Aren't you happy? (laughs) We light light these Advent candles, symbols of our faith and signs of God's love. that all through Advent, um, that that little response there. So I'm glad that you did such a great job. Okay, you guys get to teach all of them. You guys can all sit down. Thank you. (laughs) You guys get to teach some of them. Okay, so you guys were up here in Sunday school earlier, right? In the sanctuary. Um, And so um, what did we learn about the, anybody know, remember what what, um, you heard about the star up there? what, What kind of star is it? Do you know? The Northerns? No. It's the... Anybody know? It starts with an M. The Moravian Star? Bingo! Okay, so, so we got a Moravian Star up there. And do you remember what it means? I can help you with this one. Hope and peace. And so that star will guide us all through, um, all through um, our season of Advent and into Christmas and into Christmas tide all the way till Epiphany. Um, and so that's beautiful. The, the, for, you can tell it that that means hope and peace. And what do the first two candles of, of the Advent wreath mean? Hope and peace. Woo. Paying attention. We love it. What else did you did you learn? What's different? Um, what else is different up here? Um, that there's blue. There's blue. Why is there blue? Because it's Advent. Because it's Advent, so you got it right. Um, so we use blue to, to, to uh, signify the color for, for Advent of our anticipation and our waiting and all those kinds of things. Some churches still use purple, others use blue, but it all means the same thing, that we're in a time of waiting. Asher. Those candles that we, we use those candles every week. That means that the light of Christ is here with us. And just like it says up on the top there, Emmanuel, which is a term we use a lot at Christmas, which means God with us all the time. Yes, Molly. The communion kits. Communion kits. What are those for? Do you know? To deliver to people that can't come. Exactly. So she's talking about those little, in case you don't know what she's talking about, those little kits that are up there. Those are communion kits that we will bless, consecrate, if you will. And then all some wonderful people here will go visit folks who can't get here anymore so that they'll have communion. It's a wonderful ministry that we have, and we're so glad to be able to do that. So that's what those are in case you missed that. There's the poster over there that shows all the Advents in Advent, hope, peace, joy, and love. 
See, see, they listen, Linda, and, and, the, and the Shade family and all the teachers. But so we allow them to teach us, which is so important today, because we got so much to learn from them because we don't always get it right otherwise. Yes, ma'am. Your scarf says it. My scarf says it too. <laughs> see, they really pay attention. <laughs> this beautiful scarf is made by my wife, by the way, too. <laughs> There's flowers. There's flowers. What are the flowers for? I don't know. <laughs> the flowers. That's okay. Good, Molly. So the flowers are to remember people. People buy them. To People help us by purchasing them to, so that we have them here in memory of loved ones and all those kinds of things. But they also um, help us with, um, with decorating the sanctuary, making the sanctuary more beautiful, all in, not because we like to always be in a beautiful place, but because this beautiful place honors God. Okay? We've got to be wrap up here in a second. Two more. Um, it does say over there under peace and hope, the two ones we lit, right. it says those two. Right. And so we, we're going to add those other two that you pointed out to us over on the banner over here as we go through and, add, and light the other two. You get the last word, okay? Um, um, the white thing, the white, like, cover with the stick. Yeah. Right. That's for what? I don't know. We're going to do communion later. That it's hiding. The communion is hide. Part of the communion is hiding under there. Okay. So based on what your parents um, choose, you can either come up for a blessing or you can come up with them and have communion. Okay. So we'll do that at the toward the end of the service. But we're really glad you're here today. And so let's. We're going to do finish our time together with a little line out prayer like we always do. So you say it. You. I'm going to say it. And then you say it nice and loud. Okay. Here we go. Dear God. Dear God. We give thanks. We give thanks for everything. For everything you have provided to us. You have provided to us, including this church. Including this church and our families. And our families and everyone who loves us. And everyone who loves us. We pray this. We pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Go back to your seats. Lord God, to prepare the way for your only Son. By his coming, nurture our growth as people of repentance and peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament lesson is from the 11th chapter of Isaiah, verses 1 to 10, read responsively, and it predicts the coming of Jesus. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. He shall strike the earth with 
Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The gold shall live with the land, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fat lay together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nurse's child shall They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as the sign of the eagles, and nations shall admire him, and his mountains shall be glorious. The epistle lesson is from the first chapter of Romans, verses 1 to 7. And I spoke with uh, Pastor Don. I am, as a writer, impressed by this first verse, which is 103 words, one sentence. Try that. (laughs) Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand and through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God.
The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the third chapter, verses 1 through 11. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when John saw the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say of yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. Oh, no. Those of you who know me know that you have to respond much more enthusiastically than that. Good morning. Thank you. I greet you this morning on behalf of the 130 other congregations who, with Jerusalem Western Salisbury's UCC members, make up the Pennsylvania Northeast Conference of the United Church of Christ. I want to thank you for the invitation to be with you this morning. Building relationships is key to my understanding of how to be the conference minister and lead in the Penn Northeast Conference. It gives me an opportunity to thank you for your support to our church's wider mission, which allows for the staff programs and training that we are able to provide to congregations. It is and has been my great honor to serve among you. Now, one of the joys of my position is the opportunity to participate in worship and preach in our conference congregations. This is my 112th visit to a congregation in our conference. And as I prepare this morning to share simply one interpretation of the word with you, would you pray with me? Holy One, we have sung and prayed We have heard your word read to us. Now open our hearts and our minds. That the words that I speak may be your words. And that they may embed in our hearts and minds for the days to come. In all things we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. 
Now, Advent is a season of anticipation and expectation. So what are your expectations for the season? The scripture readings call us to preparation for the coming of the Messiah. Isaiah promises a wonderful world beyond imagining when the offspring of the root of Jesse comes into the world. God's spirit will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear, awe of the Lord. The world will be turned upside down. The Messiah will judge the poor and equip the meek with equity. Righteousness and faithfulness will abound. Even the animals will get into the picture. The wolf shall live with the lamb and the leopard lie down with the kid and the calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The vision of the future is sometimes called the peaceable kingdom. Such a world seems unimaginable. How could it ever be? John calls us to repent and to turn from sin in the preparation for the coming of the Messiah. In the Gospel of Matthew, we hear John's anger at those who are the ruling class of the church. John calls them to repentance and to baptism. But he warns them, someone else is coming who will baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I wonder what the Pharisees and Sadducees were expecting when they came to the River Jordan. Surely not this response from John. They came to be baptized, but not to be scolded and admonished by this wild man dressed in camel's hair. This to them was also unimaginable. How can it ever be that someone would treat them this way? Unexpected things happen to us all the time. A number of years ago, a couple traveled to the offices of the Adoption Society in England to receive a baby. They had been on the waiting list a long time. They had been interviewed and carefully scrutinized. Now, at last, their dreams were to be fulfilled, but their day of happiness was another's pain. Arriving at the offices of the society, they were led up a flight of stairs to a waiting room. And after a few moments, they heard someone else climbing the stairs. It was a young student mother whose baby was to be adopted. She was met by the lady responsible for the adoption arrangements and taken into another room. Our friends heard a muffled conversation, and a few minutes later, footsteps on the stairs as the young mother left. They heard her convulsive sobbing until the front door of the office was closed. Then there was silence. The lady in charge then conducted them next door. In a little crib was a six-week-old baby boy. On a chair beside it was a brown paper bag containing a change of clothes and two letters. One of these addressed to the new parents thanked them for providing a home for her baby and acknowledged that under the terms of the adoption, each would never know the other's identity. 
Then the young mother added one request. Would they allow her little son to read the other letter on his 18th birthday? She assured them that she had not included any information about her identity. The couple entrusted that letter to a lawyer, and one day the young man will read the message which his mother wrote on that day, when with a breaking heart she parted from him. How filled with joy the young couple must have been, yet I would guess they did not imagine witnessing the grief of the young woman who was giving up her baby for adoption. The young woman expected to be releasing her baby for adoption, but I would guess she didn't anticipate seeing the adoptive parents in the waiting room. Expectations. We all have them. Sometimes they're realistic. Sometimes they're not. In our culture, we seem to expect Advent and Christmas as a season to be filled with joy, compassion, kindness, and love. Those are reasonable expectations, and I hope those are realities for you this season. Yet for many, the Advent and Christmas season are challenging times of stress, financial hardship, and even grief. Those who have lost someone dear to them, those struggling to pay the heat and lights and provide some measure of Christmas joy for their families, Those seem to have more and more things to do, and the holiday preparations and the family interactions seem just like too much to handle. All these folks are struggling. Perhaps in some way, we are all struggling. Perhaps it is the desire for the perfect holiday season that impacts us. I was always a fan of Peanuts. Snoopy, of the Charlie Brown comic strip fame, is typing a novel, sitting on top of his doghouse, of course. He begins his story, it was a dark and stormy night. Snoopy always starts his stories this way. You can imagine Lucy's reaction, right? She looks at what Snoopy has written and she goes into a tirade. Putting down Snoopy for such a silly beginning, doesn't Snoopy know that all good stories start with the words once upon a time? The last frame of the comic strip has Snoopy starting his story again. Now he's ready. He types, once upon a time, it was a dark and stormy night. Snoopy sometimes, no matter how you begin your story, you somehow revert to a dark and stormy night. If you feel that way today, you are not alone. Most of us are struggling in one way or another to overcome the darker side of our existence. It's why we pray prayers of confession. It's why we bring ourselves to church to unburden It's true, the Advent season leading to Christmas should be a time of joy, anticipation, and hope. But the very fact that it is supposed to be such an upbeat time only compounds the problem for some of us. Isaiah's proclamation about the peaceable kingdom surely seems like a perfect world. And we who know Christ and follow him certainly know that he came into the world. But the world hasn't become what Isaiah proclaimed. 
Why is violence continuing to be promulgated? Why does hate seem to be a part of almost every television newscast, this group or this person hating another? Why is there still so much pain? Why do those among us have to die? Is that what we expected? As for me, I would like to think we have compassion, kindness, joy, and love for one another. I would like to believe we, as followers of Christ, can make the world different than it is. I expect that God smiles at our attempts to love those who stress us. I expect that God cheers us on when we are compassionate and kind with one another. I expect we do make a difference. Maybe not in big, momentous ways, although that may be a possibility for some of us. What I do think is that we can make a difference in the lives of others in small but meaningful ways. A listening ear, a donation to the food bank, a gift off the angel tree, a Christmas carol sung to those who live alone or are in facilities for the aged and injured. These seemingly small acts of love make a real difference. These small acts succeed the expectations of those to whom we offer them. These gifts may have been unimaginable to others. Francesca Battistelli sings a Christmas song, Heaven Everywhere. I want to share some of the lyrics with you. I hear the bells, they're ringing loud and clear. You can't help but love this time of year. It's Christmas time, there's something in the air, there's a little bit of heaven everywhere. Somehow there's a little more of love, and maybe there's a little less of us, or maybe we're just slightly more aware. There's a little bit of heaven everywhere. It's the smile on the man who has finally found hope. It's the tears of the mother whose child has come home. It's the joy that we feel and the love that we share. There's a little bit of heaven everywhere. So what do you expect this season? What do you hope for? Has God entered your heart and your spirit this Advent? Are you seeking more connection with God? Are you looking for and creating little pieces of heaven everywhere? Maybe you're feeling God has no time for you, that you're not worthy of God's grace, blessing, and love. In her wonderful children's book, We Were There, A Nativity Story, Eve Bunting turns Christmas upside down for us in ways that are revealing. The simple story shows us first a slithering snake, then a wordy toad, and a scary scorpion, a shiny cockroach, a swooping bat, a hairy spider, and a furry rat, all on a journey. Each creature introduces itself and then concludes with the words, I will be there. As the book ends, we are shown more common nativity creatures, fuzzy lambs and doe-eyed donkeys and gentle cows. But as those traditional figures in the stable stand around the manger in which the babe has been laid by his mother Mary, we see in the corner, unnoticed, That small gathering 
of a slithery snake and a warty toad, a scary scorpion, a shiny cockroach, a flying bat, a hairy spider, and a long-tailed rat. Bunting has found a lyrical way to remind us that the coming of the Christ is not all about the traditional and cozy trappings in which we have so long ensconced the Christmas story. She reminds us that Jesus came to embrace and renew the good, the bad, the ugly, the expected, and the unexpected. We are reminded in this story of the paradoxes and unexpected twists of the season, rather like the way John the Baptist shakes things up for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You, my friends, may not know what to expect this Advent season, and yet... We can hope for the welcome at the manger. We can hope to be welcomed as shepherds and sheep and angels and snakes and toads and scorpions and cockroaches and bats and spiders and rats are welcomed. We can hope for the forgiveness of a God who loves us in unimaginable ways. And yes, we can expect to make a difference in our families, in our churches, in our communities, and in our world. And who knows? At some point, we will witness the unimaginable, peaceable kingdom which Isaiah proclaims. We will encounter heaven everywhere. Amen. together as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We are the people of God. Please stand. We are the people of God gathered in this place. And as you prepare to leave, may you know the God that surrounds you with unimaginable love and blessing. May you know the Christ who came and comes and will come to nurture your spirit and bring you forward in relationship with him and with each other. And may you know the Holy Spirit that blows through the earth into and around us to enable and empower us. Our worship may have ended, but our service now begins. Go forth from this place to love and to serve in peace and hope. Amen.